Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 134, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always... Joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Uh, Mike, everything is delicious. Uh, thank you for asking. I will say there is a member of the Eagles offense who does not think that everything is delicious, which... It's so stupid, man. Why are we still dealing with this? Like, come on. Um, yeah, so this is just put out from Bleeding Green. A Thursday afternoon. Jazina Anderson appeared on NFL Live. Now, obviously, on Wednesday, she had the quote on Twitter such that an Eagles player told us that we uh, dropped the ball not trading for Jalen Ramsey. Howie Roseman knew what needed to be done and didn't do it. Anderson shared that an Eagles source also talked with her about how the offense is functioning. Quote, one of the things that they said is we need to make simpler. Sometimes you just need to handle what is manageable. Even Peyton Manning knew when to check it down. Carson Wentz, and now, now this is, this is, this is, so that's what the source said. Now, now this is uh, Anderson continuing uh, her own words. Carson Wentz right now is 38% on passes that travel 15 air yards, has three interceptions on passes like that, which is tied for most in the league. He also has 148 passes on those that are 10 yards or fewer. Uh, right now he has nine touchdowns and zero interceptions like that. So I do think it is an apt point. Is it though? <laughs> number one, number one, number Brother. one. A top five quarterback in NFL history, Peyton Manning, maybe a top two player to ever play the game, knew to check it down. What is this sentence? Right. Also, like, it, it's Peyton. Like, if you had brought up, like, I don't know, like, who's a good example? Like, I don't know, John Elway? Montana. Or, like, right, yeah, or Favre, right? Who, like, is actually known. Like, what's Manning known for? He's known for checking it down. You see, like, even Peyton knew when to check it down. Payton was check down king. Like, Payton was the best at, like, you know, three-step, give what the offense takes me. Payton very famously, like, takes, you know, uh, 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 the uh, uh, seven flat concept and reads the flat first, like, instead of the seven. Like, he's famous for that. So, like, but obviously, like, they're just pulling a name of a famous quarterback and kind of just, you know, like, this is, you know, like, you know, you should learn how to check it down. Here's the thing. We can be positive this is not Nelson Aguilar unless he's asking for less targets. 
Right? Because Aguilar, all he's getting targeted down the field, and it's not working. Like, you know, Carson needs to learn how to check it down. He's got to stop throwing it deep. Nelson Aguilar said of his own targets. Oh, God. So it's definitely not Nelson. And I've seen it thrown out there that it's Alshon because it's widely believed that he leaked the other story about Carson last year. Also because he was the one that broke him signing with the Eagles to Josina Anderson. Right. But, like, that doesn't make sense because you would think he would want more vertical shots. So that doesn't necessarily check out for me. But here's my thing. If we're looking at you need to make things simpler, handle what is manageable. Firstly, I would argue the Eagles passing attack has been very simple over the last few weeks, especially with Deshaun out. Right. It's been as simple as base of concepts as you get as we've seen from Doug Peterson's offense before. Look, it's Matt Collins because he's always confused. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's just Matt. Matt who's confused. Right, right. So there's, so, so there's that. But then if we look at the attempts, like, you know, uh, Justina brought up the passes that travel more than 15 air yards uh, down the field. If we look at Carson's attempts that have been deep down the field, they're going to two players, Miles Sanders and Nelson Aguilar. Right. Really not going to much anybody else. So accordingly to me, what this translates to is somebody on the offense, and it sounds like a skill position player, saying we need to target Nelson Aguilar less because the Miles Sanders targets are working, brother. <laughs> He's got the most explosive plays on the team. Leading the, the, the team in yards per reception. So, like, that, that, that's what I read into this in terms of, uh, of like, you know, what, like, the, the desirable offensive change from whoever the source is will just basically like to see you know, throw it to Nelson Aguilar less down the field. And let's like, you know, keep it to the short intermediate stuff that's working well. I like, I don't think the offense needs to get simpler. I really don't think the passing attack needs to simplify down. Everybody who's listened to the show, especially, you know, listeners for a couple of years now, you've known that I've asked for Carson to be more willing to check the football down. I've absolutely said that. I regularly ask, hey, sweetie, just like throw it away. Stop trying to break every tackle. You don't need to push it down the field. Just live to fight another down. So like, I'm there on that. I don't think these last few games are the best argument for that. But like, if that's been a frustration you have on the offense, I think that's very, very valid. uh, uh, The last thing I'll say is you want to know why he has nine touchdowns and no interceptions on passes that go 10 yards or fewer down the field. It's because the Eagles don't have a deep passing game. So they have to get within 10 yards of the end zone to score. So that's why, you know, that, that stuff always kills me. Like, listen, all the short games where they get their touchdowns. Yeah. Because you have to get close to the end zone in order to get in. <laughs> you know, they've been running the ball down the field. They've been nickel and diamond. Yeah, like most, almost every quarterback has mostly short touchdowns. That's because they were close to the end zone when they threw it. Um, so, yeah. The other, uh, oh, no, this is the Zacherts quote from last year. Uh, they were overtalking Zacherts, so forgive me. That, that That's the extent of the recent quote. Is it shocking to me that there's frustration on the offensive side of the ball when the Eagles have you know, just came off a loss to Minnesota where they really couldn't get the, the the gears turning on offense. They had a lot of drives kind of stymie at the 40. Uh, and, and a lot of those drives, like, you know, talking about the deep passing game, the Eagles got in shot play territory and died uh, because a large part they were losing it down on a failed shot play. The weird part about the story is even if you took out the weird random Peyton Manning reference, I don't agree with any of these takes. I don't think they should have traded for more than the bounty that the Rams gave up for Jalen Ramsey, two first-rounders and a fourth. You didn't do it because you knew the cost. And I don't agree with the fact that the offense needs to be simpler, which is something that we've complained about on this show for a few weeks now. Who is this person? Who is this dum-dum that's saying these things that needs the offense to be less complex at this point? I just don't understand the logic. And this is a person who is currently on the Eagles roster that put this distraction out about the franchise quarterback headed into a primetime game for the division. Shut the hell up. 
Shut the hell up. Honestly, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do to this team? What is the end game with this? Carson's not going anywhere, by the way. Right, yeah. Like the, right, like the ship has sailed on Carson not being the franchise quarterback. You win the battle. This is absurd to me. Yeah. What's going on with this team where this is happening again? They're not playing like a cohesive unit, and this idiot is just yeah. another reason why. Les Bowen of uh, The Inquirer, shout out Les, just tweeted, I don't know if the quote got garbled in translation or what, but if there's an Eagles player that thinks not checking down is a problem for the offense. We must be lost in different teams. Which, I mean, yeah, like Carson Wentz's intended air yards have been four these past two weeks. So I'm with you, Les. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the thing. Like, it's the timing is a little weird, right? In terms of, like, I, I don't really think this complaint makes sense for what's been happening the last few weeks. Which is why, again, to me, what I read through it is, like, to me, my guess is this is Alshon implying, hey, let's throw the ball to Nelson Aguilar, like, a lot less. <laughs> and maybe to me a little more. Which, brother... I'm with you. Um, but like, like I said, I'm not surprised at frustration. I get it. Like, yeah, absolutely. You'd wish kind of we held our tongue until we got past Dallas, especially if it's a loss against Dallas, then sure, you can get a little feisty with it. You know, if it's a win against Dallas, then maybe you'll lose your edge. You know, like, again, things seem happy. You don't want to be seen complaining. So I get it, you know. I think you and I are in agreement in the sense of like, if there's a unit right now between the quarterback, i.e. Carson, or the receiving unit where there could be a quick improvement in play, to me, it's the receiving unit. Let's uh, let's focus on our work there. Yeah, they lead the league in drops, and you yeah. wonder why the intermediate to deep completion rate is low. And I put up the stats on Twitter from PFF that show Wentz has the second most drops on deep balls, too. So it's just silly. So, all right. We might as well continue this conversation under the umbrella of a preview as we go to the second part of our weekly series. This time, it's Eagles offense going up against the Cowboys defense. We'll start with the injury report from Thursday. And the Eagles actually have a shorter list than the Cowboys. How about that? Go team. Looking at the Eagles, there was limited participation from Ronald Darby with his hamstring. I think he goes. Full participation from Fletcher Cox, who is dealing with an illness. Six players did not participate, and I would expect all of them to be out. Yeah. Deshaun Jackson, Nigel Bradham, Timmy Jernigan, Avante Maddox, Jason Peters, and Darren Sproles. It would be so nice to have Deshaun back. Oh, my God. Yeah, especially in a big game like this. But any other takeaways from yeah. that, Ben? No, I mean, like, as I said, I think Deshaun is a big one in terms of when we're going to get into how the Cowboys like to run their, their defensive scheme. Field stretcher really helps you against the, the athletes that the Cowboys have in the secondary. The other one that sticks out to me is, as we know, Maddox uh, is working through the concussion protocol. And so Maddox can be a guy who goes from did not participate to full go in a day right? Assuming the neck is good, which is from what we've heard, it is. So we're going to see kind of what uh, what that is. But Maddox is potentially a big ad because Maddox has played outside and inside before. And Maddox helps you keep Sidney Jones off the field. Um, so those are the two that I'm kind of looking at that did not participate less that are interesting to me for Philadelphia. Let's go to the Cowboys injury report. I think the ones to focus on are the guys with their status up in the air. The big ones are some guys that did not participate, including cornerbacks Anthony Brown yes. and Byron Jones. Conversation. Yeah, definitely on the offensive side of the ball. Randall Cobb did not participate. Then there's Michael Gallup with limited participation. And the two offensive tackles only did limited stuff with some individual drills I saw on Twitter. That's Tyron Smith, which would be huge. And Lyle Collins. Also, Zach Martin went from limited to did not participate with a knee and a back, which is something worth tracking. But where it is, he's expected to play. Uh, so Michael Gallup, the two offensive tackles, Lyle Collins, Tyron Smith. Ben, for our purposes here, the two big ones are Jones and Brown, the corners. If it's no Anthony Brown and it's no Byron Jones, I mean, 
Cheeto Awuzie has been struggling this year. His film's not great for Awuzie, which is disappointing. I liked Awuzie out of Colorado, and I thought he was getting some... So again, his sea legs under him in his sophomore year last year. Looks like we've had a bit of a step back. He does get Jordan Lewis on the field more frequently. And the thing about Jordan Lewis is he's risk is similar to Sewell in terms of what happens when he's on the field. He makes plays. He gives up plays, but he makes plays. The the Cowboys have better corner three, corner four than most teams do. They certainly do more than the Eagles. We we know halves when the Eagles backup corners get on the field. Um so they can withstand that but when you lose jones and brown and you talked about this you lose the the guy in jones who can erase a dude one-on-one and you have to go to more traditional zone drop looks they can't run which is what the cowboys want to run which we talked about a little bit with minnesota where they're gonna flood strong and play man coverage on the weak side that's what chris richard would love to do all day long against philadelphia Anytime he gets isolated Y, isolated X, just stick Byron Jones on him. And then you can put six zone defenders over three uh, uh, three routes to the strong side. Ideal for the defense. You lose Byron Jones, you do not get to do that. Because I don't think you can trust Awuzie and I don't think you can trust Jordan Lewis. If they do, I mean, they probably will because coaches don't like to change their scheme for injury. If they do, they're going to lose reps. They're going to lose those one-on-ones. Earth is going to be able to separate against... Jeff Heath, Xavier Woods, Awuzie, whoever he gets over the top of him. Alshon's going to be able to separate against Awuzie, Jordan Lewis, whoever gets over the top of him. Even if it's Anthony Brown, Alshon should be able to win those one-on-one matchups. So no Byron Jones means you're probably going to get more traditional zone dropping from Philadelphia. The Cowboys have one of the best zone defending linebacking cores in Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch. Especially with what those linebackers are asked to do in coverage, and they do it so well. Jalen Smith? (laughs) Jalen Smith and Travis Kelsey should race. I mean, it's crazy, right? The guys this big shouldn't have moved this fast. It's really cool to see. So yeah, they have some of the best uh, defensive in terms of defensive uh, linebackers dropping into underneath zones. They're really strong. And Philadelphia went up against a guy in Eric Kendricks, Minnesota, who's really good in those areas and tried to throw it against him pretty frequently in underneath zones. And Kendricks made him pay. They were not effective working the short, middle, and even the short outside areas of the field when they were rolling out with Carson, right? And so... You'd like to see them be able to win their one-on-one matchups with their outside wide receivers, which brings us back to the point. If Deshaun's back, it's huge. Because right now you have really one guy who you can trust to consistently separate and win in space, and that's Deshaun, right? We talk about Deshaun as the field structure, but the other thing that you miss with Deshaun is like winning on slants on third and five on the the backside. You know, like Alshon can do that, but he's not as consistent as Deshaun is. Alshon got three shield screens, on third down against Minnesota Vikings. I don't hate those play calls. I know people were upset about the third one. I don't hate him. Alshon's a tough guy to bring down. He's a tank. Deshaun's a little nifty. You know, you get him the ball in space, we might be having a different conversation about that third screen. So Deshaun gives you a separation ability on the outside that's really, really beneficial when a team is down their elite cover man like they might be with Byron Jones. In the situation where Jones plays, well, okay, if you've got Deshaun backside, then he's it's Deshaun racing another 4-4 kid in Byron Jones. Deshaun's going to win a couple of those. He always does against man coverage. But when Deshaun's strong, which is how Philadelphia typically was deploying him in the, the games in which he was healthy, now you've got Deshaun going up against a flooded zone. And so he's got a safety over the top of him and a corner underneath him. It ruins his efficacy. It, it, it limits the threat of his speed. And so you'd re- like an uh, ideal situation, obviously, the Cowboys' good player is out and the Eagles' good player is in. But Deshaun has a big impact for that reason. It's the fact that if you're able to get him in man-to-man coverage situations, he's your best separator right now. Alshon can still win in those situations. He can have big games. He was doing it against Minnesota. 
But that Deshaun is going to be your best receiver in those situations. I think that we'll we'll see that for Philadelphia if Byron Jones is a no go. If the if the Cowboys continue, if the Cowboys want to give extra safety attention over Jackson, they've got to go split safety now. And now you're putting Jeff Heath in a, in a deep middle area of the field. It's not a good situation for Jeff Heath, brother. That's not Jeff Heath. Any the way uh, he he wins, and Jeff Heath doesn't win too many ways. But that's definitely not one of the ways he wins. And so. I think that, yeah, like, uh, you know, you might, and the Cowboys don't typically run split field. So Jones forces them, again, to, to rely heavily on traditional cover three. Philadelphia should be able to win against those situations, especially if they go to their typical three-by-one sets and try to win on the backside. I mean, you look at this Cowboys defense, and I think the stats lie a little bit. Like, the Cowboys are 25th in defensive DVOA, but unlike the offense that got some help in this metric from football outsiders because it's too early to opponent adjust fully, the Cowboys might have performed a little worse because they faced the combined 31st-ranked DVOA offense throughout the season. So their defense, which was considered a big-time strength, along with the addition of Cooper, really played a big role for them in the second portion of the season last year, has not been holding up their end of the bargain. Now, one of the things that the Cowboys can do to jumpstart this defense, and I saw John Owning of Sports Day Cowboys throw this out there. Shout-out to John, friend of the show. He's a great follow. He suggested the possibility of Demarcus Lawrence switching sides and playing over the rookie Andre Dillard, who gets his first start in what would be a hellish first couple of opponents for him in Everson Griffin and Tank. Would you do that if you were the Cowboys, Ben? Because I damn sure would. I mean, you got to, right? You have Demarcus Lawrence. They have a rookie making his first start. This should not be rocket science, right? Now... What I will say is this, uh, Seth Walder of ESPN has been putting out ESPN's new pass rush win rate, whatever, all their stuff. He like drops, you know, graphics every week and it's a lot of fun. By the way, one of the graphics that uh, ESPN drops from Brian Burke is playoff leverage. So how much more likely a team will, will make the playoffs if they win versus if they lose. Philadelphia is 37% more likely to make the playoffs if they win this game versus if they lose. The Cowboys are 38%. So uh, it's a big ball game on Sunday, but... Seth dropped uh, the 10 players double teamed most often as an edge rusher. Number two, Robert Quinn. Number five, Demarcus Lawrence. Teams facing the Cowboys are not scared, and appropriately so, of Chris Covington and Malik Collins. <laughs> and every year we do this. Every year we talk about how Antoine Woods and Tyrone Crawford and Malik Collins are going to be good pass rushers on the inside, and they never are. This is the third year running we've done this. The Cowboys do not have an interior pass rush. Philadelphia is really, really, really good. Really good, Jeff Stoutland, at helping tackles. They've done this for years. They did it with Peters when he was injured in 2018. They did it with uh, 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 Vitae when Peters was out in 2017, to the extent to which they made the Super Bowl and beat the Patriots, who are great at attacking your weakness. They are so good at helping tackles that are, that are weaker, that need the assistance. They're going to help Dillard. They're going to slide to Dillard, they're going to chip to Dillard, and they're going to lie tight ends to and Dillard. And they might even add Vitae on the outside of him in some cases right. in those heavy Which sets. we call, right, like 12 personnel B or 11 personnel B or 13 B. When you see, we use these Bs at the end of personnel, what we're, what we're identifying there is one of the tight ends in the 11, 12, or 13 personnel is actually an offensive lineman, right? You're introducing Vitae as six offensive linemen, and that's a good point. The Eagles' six offensive line sets have been great this year. They've been highly effective on those. Let's run the whole offense out of six offensive line. Anyway, they're going to help Dillard. Chips, doubles, and slides. So, you may be in a situation where you're going to be getting more single teams on lane, top two right tackle of the league, 
than Quinn and Lawrence have typically been seeing. So you might want to leave Lawrence over Lane if that's how Philly's playing you. So I would, yes, be willing to move Lawrence over to right defensive end. I would probably open with that. But if I see Philly very heavily sliding and chipping to Dillard's side and leaving Lane on an island with Robert Quinn, yeah, I'm going to get Lawrence back over there on on long and late downs. Because I would rather Robert Quinn be doubled than Demarcus Lawrence. Because Quinn Quinn has played, like, okay. But Quinn is not what I would call, like, like, Quinn's an edge two, and it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, he's there. Yeah, I'll tell you, Quinn is still giving them more than I think we thought he would in terms of juice. Put it to you this way. We've been watching Taco Charlton in that role previously. Robert Quinn ain't Taco Charlton, brother. That's a fact. Uh, He can rush past a little bit. And that's the thing. is like, and that'll that'll be interesting for Philadelphia. Do you, you drafted Andre Dillard, you traded up for him, selected him at 21 overall, 22, whatever the heck it was. Okay, 22. He's a good player. You leave him alone there on the outside because you drafted him early. You can go for that. He's not Vitae. You know what I mean? Like, Vitae was out there starting as a fifth-round rookie. Dylan's first-round rookie. It's a little bit different caliber. So, you leave him out there. And if you're Dallas and you're watching that, you're telling, you know, Rod Marinelli, you're telling Robert Quinn on the sideline, you need to beat this kid one-on-one because we need them to send help your way, right? If you beat Dillard one-on-one, they're going to start sending you chips. They're going to start sending you tight ends. That's going to open to Marcus Lawrence. This is how everybody eats. Pizza the pie, right? This is, this is our, our philosophy on front four rushes. If I'm taking two guys, it means one of my other guys is one-on-one, right? So Philadelphia now in, in, in a situation where it's going to be a bit of a gambit to watch all four quarters, especially coming out of the half. Dallas and Philadelphia have been two of the best teams adjusting at the half this year. It's going to be interesting to watch how they change the strategies in protecting Dillard, isolating Dillard, and what rusher goes up against Dillard. It's the biggest thing to watch in terms of the trench play uh, in, in this game. And so my answer is I expect the Cowboys to, yes, look at DeMarcus Lawrence over Dillard in one-on-one situations. I also expect Philadelphia to give Dillard help on pretty much every passing down. So they're going to line tight ends to the left side of the formation pretty regularly. We'll see how Dallas counters that. The last point I want to make on that is this. Carson Wentz is a right-handed quarterback. Carson Wentz prefers throwing to the right shallow than to the left shallow. He's more effective, higher volume. Tight ends aligned over the left side. Carson Wentz got to become a left-handed quarterback, right? I mean, and like if you want to run, uh, run the passing game through the tight ends, you want to run it through the wide receivers, fine. You're throwing to Nelson Aguilar and Mac Collins. Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz is your second round pick from two years ago. And this is Zach Ertz, who's your, you know, long-term extension, one of the top paid tight ends in the league. That's who you want to be running the passing offense through. Well, if you're going to put him to the left side, you're going to have to now run the offense to the left. And that's not where Carson likes to throw the ball. The Eagles will also have to have answers. Even if the Cowboys don't have Jones out there, the Cowboys are very interested in stopping Zach Ertz, as we saw last year when he shadowed him on Monday downs, because they see how that successful that's been and what a headache it can be for the Eagles, whether that means bracketing him in key situations like a lot of teams do. I mean, the Eagles need to figure it out and they'll have to do it on the fly before it causes another slow start. And we'll get into how we think the Eagles offense performs overall and give our final predictions coming up next on the Kiston Solak Show. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school 
that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on the Kissed and Solak Show, episode 134, brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation, SB Nation. I'm Michael Kissed here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, are we good to go to predictions, or do you have more to add before we uh, before we get to that? I have one note, Michael. <laughs> I have one extra note that I want to get to. Fire away, brother. I said this before the Vikings game, and then Miles Sanders went for 100 yards receiving. <laughs> I'm going to say it before the Cowboys game, too, and maybe keep the reverse jinx alive. To me, this is not a running back targets game. Oh, is it not? <laughs> right? <laughs> because, yeah, you got Van Der Esch and, and Jalen Smith tagging these guys in space. You know, and like Sanders has been one of the most productive receiving backs in the league so far this year, which is really fun. It's something that you hoped was going to develop throughout his game. Cool beans. I mean, half of Sanders' splash plays come up on schemed up rubs where he's wide open. Right, but good scheme. And yeah, look, he right. shows the athleticism to take on a fuller route tree, and I think that happens eventually. And the wheels out of the backfield look fantastic, but it's just interesting that we drafted two wide receivers in the second round, Ben. I just like, like here's the thing. Like, I think everybody who's pissed at... J.J. Arthega-Whiteside needs J.J. hasn't had a shot after that drop. Because he's not playing. And that's what I mean. I put this on Twitter, too, but looking at the wide receivers, we talked about that last show. Matt Collins has lost. Aguilar has regressed. J.J. was essentially benched after a drop. Right. Yeah, like, I like you're, 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 you're giving your rookie, your second-round rookie wide receiver zero snaps while one of your starting rookie, starting wide receivers is out. Like, if he's bad, he's bad. Right, but let's find out. But until you play him... It's your fault as the coaching staff. It's not the front office's fault. You didn't put him on the field. Anyway, uh, I said no running back targets before Minnesota. It's not a running back target game. <laughs> Sanders went for 100 yards receiving. I'm going to say it again. Uh, you know, this is these, like the, the linebackers are not the players I would be trying to target in space. Uh, that said, Philadelphia's going to run mesh, sit, wheel, and you're going to have to be able to uh, – Miles Sanders, you know, this is where you've been your most productive. It's how you've gotten your snaps. It's how you've contributed to the team. So keep it up. You know what I mean? Like the, I, I anticipate the Eagles continue to run the running back targets. I just don't think it's going to be a big Miles Sanders receiving game. I do think this is the game where you'd really like to see the Eagles get. And we talked about this. Byron Jones is out. You want to be in your three by one sets and you want to attack. Uh, you know, like you said, Byron Jones wants to track Zach Ertz around the field. That's how much the Cowboys are, are cognizant of the Zach Ertz threat. And it's also how much they don't want to take their linebackers out of the box. They need him to defend the run. Philadelphia's been a good running team this year, especially between the guards, between the tackles. As I said, the Cowboys do not have good interior defensive linemen, so they should be able to win those matchups, especially if they're able to pull linebackers out of the box. And so I'd like to see the Eagles go in 11, 12 personnel spread sets in order to try to, you know, last year when the Eagles went 12, the Cowboys matched base. They kept three linebackers out on the field right that means it's your passing game to your to your tight ends right packers packers rams they match with dime now you're running the football so the linebackers are going to be in conflict on the run pass balance and on what linebackers the cowboys put on the field on on uh against which personnel so there's that um so yeah that, that's my final point on that and then i have another point for the prediction that i'd like to bold make. prediction dallas goddard 75 yard touchdown and it right. actually stands bold prediction dallas goddard punches <laughs> jeff heath in the face does get called <laughs> Oh, that was such a bad penalty. Oh. And it's funny because, like, this year, could have challenged that. Would have lost, but could have challenged it. Yeah, I don't know why they changed this rule to appease Saints fans because they aren't overturning anything. That's what I'm saying. You would have lost, but you still could have challenged it and really made them replay the replay like 12 more times and then throw in a hissy fit in the media. Let's go to the predictions. We'll go to the DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Over under is 49. Eagles are two and a half point dogs. So Vegas thinks it's roughly going to be about 26, 23 Dallas. On the KNS 133, we said that the Cowboys offense would be over on the 26. And a lot of that depends on Cooper and the tackles, obviously. But we'll call it over for now. And I'll say I'm going to be over on the 23 points for the Eagles as well. Yeah, I'm over as well. Uh, before we go into score predictions, yeah, my list, like I have money on the Eagles plus three. I took it the moment the line opened. And it was exclusively because I thought no Cowboy was going to be healthy. And it seems like pretty much no Cowboy is going to be healthy. I, the all the bet I just picked up this morning when I was doing prep for the pod is Eagles plus one first half. And I feel really good about it. You know how the Eagles have been really bad on their first drives in the first quarter? Cowboys have been worse. Eagles are 18th in total first quarter points. Cowboys are 24th. It's going to be 0-0 coming into the second quarter and the floodgates are going to open. Is that what you're saying? Right. But even then, like, you know, in second quarter, Eagles are far more effective than the Cowboys. Cowboys are are, are below 20th in the league in, in second quarter scoring. Eagles are top 10. Third quarter is where they both wake up. But first drive of the game, Cowboys have scored three points. On six first drives of the game, they scored a total of three points. Eagles have scored 10 and field goal and a touchdown. Still not good. But the Eagles are better on the first drive. Second drive, Cowboys wake up. The first two drives, the Cowboys are a little bit more awake. The Eagles are still struggling. But the Cowboys and the Eagles both come out the gates real slow on offense. Uh, and I would expect much the same to continue. I think Philadelphia leads at halftime. I really do. And we've talked about Philadelphia has been so good at getting themselves in early holes. But this Cowboys team just doesn't score points in the first quarter. So, I mean, it, it's kind of going to be, you know, a movable, for, a movable object versus a stoppable force here. You know, Eagles defense in the first quarter versus Cowboys offense in the first quarter um but yeah no I have, I have the Eagles uh plus one in the first half if you want you know I've been pretty profitable in the NFL this season actually so yeah that'll be my um it's my recommendation for this uh for this week Eagles plus one first half even if it's another annoying slow start for the Eagles this team still nearly tied it up with the Vikings after being down 24 to 3 on the road a hostile situation and if Alshon would have stayed in bounds they would have tied it up so they can definitely get back in it's like I know it's to. like I said I, I tweeted it in the first quarter of the Vikings game the Eagles are down by 10 which means they will either win or lose right like it's like <laughs> this is what the season's been it's like a two-point lead at halftime of an nba game none of it matters all right <laughs> nothing's real all right final prediction score from you ben go for it yeah i think i think it's a high score i think there's like 35 total points scored in the, in the fourth quarter you know what i mean i think it's gonna be a, a shootout i think it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, i think that prescott's gonna play well i think carson's gonna play well it might come down to what their teammates do in which case whoo Cedric Wilson versus Mac Hollins, baby. Let's do it. It's so weird projecting a shootout with these weapons. Listen, when when like both half of both teams' corner rooms are injured, you know, like it's it's gonna be a weird one. I think Philadelphia wins it again. Like I feel very similarly to I, as I did in the Dallas game, or excuse me, in the Minnesota game. Prescott could come out, go 404 and no interceptions, and the Eagles just like, you know, either they boat race or they lose. You know what I mean? That could be the case. I like to think the defense will get a couple more timely sacks against a weaker offensive tackle group and, a, and maybe a timely uh, turnover or two, something they were really unable to do, say, for the uh, end of the first half pick against the Vikings, which was, you know, a tip ball drill. It wasn't really a, a quality play. So I have the Eagles winning this one. I have the Eagles winning it 38 34 as my final score prediction. It's a big one. Oh, you're close to me. I have it 34-30. I think it's a late game drive where the Cowboys need a touchdown. And this time the ball doesn't bounce off Russell Douglas's hands into Amari Cooper's for a touchdown. People forget this. People forget to remember that the Eagles, after all that that game was in terms of officiating and weird game script and bad, stupid plays, that Russell Douglas had won the game. <laughs> down right oh all right ben i think that does it predictions are in call your bookies ben say goodbye
to the gentle listeners. Thank you as always for listening to the Kist and Solak show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you coming by for your previews. It is Dallas week, 8.20 p.m. Eastern NBC. Chris Collinsworth, I wonder if the Eagles are going to run an RPO. Hopefully you've got your all prepped up. If you have any more questions about the game, especially as the injury updates come into fruition, into clarity, uh, I'm on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He's on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Also on the feed, the BGN Radio main show with Brandon Lee Gowton, May He Forever Rain, and uh, uh, Jimmy Kemsky and Gowton on the main show. And of course, the babes on broad as well, Sam Wilson and Jessica Town. If you enjoy the feed, please go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. Say something funny so I I can laugh at it on whatever app you listen to your podcasts recap show will likely be up by the time you wake up on monday morning if not when you fall asleep on sunday because uh, we just like to you know stay up late just to talk football uh, so make sure you you are subscribed on whatever app you listen to your podcast so you will catch that in your feeds for your monday morning commute thank you so much for listening go birds we will catch you on monday we all we got we all we need except for that one dickhead <laughs> fly eagles fly <laughs> Mike is so heated.